Hello and welcome to Frameline. It's a brand new live Frameline for August 22nd, 2019. I'm Barbara Kosofsky and I'm here with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. Hopefully you had a, a good summer. I did. It was very relaxing. And uh, how about you? It was busy, but good. That's good. Okay, so what we're going to do today is we're going to slide into, back into our groove, back into our usual weekly uh, showcase, and, uh, you know, get you guys ready to hear about us, you know, hear our voices talking about TIFF, which is next week. So we're going to start that heavy-duty coverage then. Um, but we thought, yeah, we'd just do, you know, keep keep the summer vibe going. Talk a bit about the summer and, you know, obviously talk about some movies and stuff we watched. I'm cheating a little because I'm talking about TV. So let's just say this is uh, this is like moving image highlights. Well, TV is very important. Some people would say that TV is almost rivaling cinema. Well, there's one, one show I want to talk about that's like, okay, there could be a couple depending on how... <laughs> Anyway, so Courtney is going to start us off because uh, you just saw something that just came out. So it's still current and still something, you know, people should check out. Yes, uh, it just hit theaters this week. I saw the new horror comedy Ready or Not. And I know we're thinking of like, you know, this is being summer coming to a close. But I feel like this is the the perfect capper for the, the summer a, a nice energetic film to to take you into fall and the premise of the film is I'd say original <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it because I, I had a tough time thinking of what film I would even compare it to but uh, the, the film follows Grace who's played by Samara Weaving who's uh, Hugo Weaving's niece I believe and Hugo Weaving uh, is the famous Australian actor from Priscilla Queen of the Desert and um, he was in the Matrix I think a lot of North American people will, will know him from great yeah. actor and it seems like that family has some very talented genes because uh, Samara plays Grace a young woman who is marrying into the wealthy Lodomas family and this family has made their their fortunes through games like different board games they've created this whole gaming empire so on her the film opens just as she's saying her i do's and she discovers that on her wedding night as part of the family initiation she has to play a game they first of all, there's a family initiation. Yes, yes. <laughs> that should tip you off. <laughs> you know, that's the, the first thing. And we get a little glimpse actually at the very beginning of the film of like the type of games that this family plays. So you already kind of know it's not going to go well for Grace. And as part of the initiation, she's got to play this game. But the game is chosen by this particular, I would call it a magic box. There's a little black box where you put in an empty blank card. And then the person who's supposed to play the game will pull out the card and there will be a game stamped on it. So some previous people that have come into the family have had to play chess or old maid. Um, there's there's a bunch of different games that they can play, but there's one in particular that no one wants to play and it ends up being hide and seek. And that's the card that Grace pulls. So for Of course. Of course. And this... The reason why they don't want to play hide and seek is because, unbeknownst to Grace, 
it's not just like, oh, she's got to hide. They have to find her. If you're playing hide and seek, they have to kill the person that they're hunting before dawn. So I know it sounds kind of eerie and, and, and very... Sounds cre- like a horror film. Yes, and it's, that's the, the horror element to it. But then you have to think of very wealthy people, the elite of society. The 1%? Uh, the 1% who are trying to, you know, get rid of someone, dispose of someone, and not really having the skills to. So, <laughs> it, like, for example, there's, you know, they all have various weapons that they have to use. And um, one of the, I guess, the main character, Alex, um, who's Grace's husband, his sister wasn't even born the last time they had to play this game. Only Alex and his brother, um, who's played by Adam Brody, remember it from when they were a child. They were like, I think, eight and six the last time the family played this game. So they've, they're completely traumatized from mm-hmm. it. And <laughs> the, the family that was alive is not really that keen to do it, but they feel they have to because if you don't play the game and you don't participate, then they fear that um, something will happen to them because the rule is if you don't play, it's death. If you help the it's prey... It's death for everybody? Well, if you, if, if you if you... Let's say you're part of the family... And you choose, you, you're saying, I'm not going to do it. Well, you have to die. Like, you know. Ooh. And exactly. <laughs> and if you help the person that you're hunting, that's also grounds for possibly dying as well. Right? So they, they've got all this um, gruesome. gruesome rules. And the payoff will explain why they have these particular rules. But this is the rules that they have to play by. You can't cheat this game. So... A lot of the film is watching them hunt Grace, Grace realizing what's going on and her trying to to essentially survive the night. So it's classic horror film um, tropes throughout, but there's so much humor in it. And the cast is predominantly Canadian. Like you have um, Andy McDowell, I guess is like the big American name, and Adam Brody, but Henry Cherney plays the the father, Um, Andy McDowell's husband. Um, there are a lot of the supporting characters. So the sisters played by, um, Canadian actress, uh, her name is slipping my mind right now, but, uh, look it up. And I know her husband is played by, um, Canadian actor, Christian, Christian Braun, who some people will know from Orphan Black. And it's, uh, sorry, Melanie Scarfano, Scarfano. I think it's her Scrofano. name. Scrofano. That So she plays um, Alex's sister, and Christian Braun plays her husband, and they are the they are the uber elite. Like you know, they they couldn't catch a private jet from wherever they came from. She's already she's very into the the doing of drugs. So when you put that combination together, trying to <laughs> hunt a victim. A lot of comedy is going to ensue. Like oh my god! But it shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. But that's but that's the type of tone. Like this this film walks a very fine line between horror and comedy, and it does so very well. So the point that you're having a great time. You know, there's times where you kind of are shocked, or there's a few jump scare moments where something appears when you didn't expect, or something happens unexpected, but you still end up walking away laughing, having a good time. Like you know, the, the- theater the screen that I saw like just erupted at all the right moments. No, oh, wow. Because there's just a lot of funny humor. There's And this this theater was not full of sick individuals. No, no, no. It was it was <laughs> it's, a it's it was real. a mix uh well, there was a lot of film critics in there, so maybe that's that's a discussion for another day. But there are <laughs> there 
just a lot of great moments like the, the how the characters are designed is great in terms of like you know they can be some of them are generally creepy some of them are just flat out funny um it, it skews the rich and how arrogant and uncaring they are uh, and at, but at the same time you don't necessarily hate the family you kind of understand some of the plight, like you, you don't necessarily, you don't agree with them, but you know, like there's certain horror films where you're like, Oh, that, you know, I want the so-and-so to get their comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. And there's a few people in there that you do, but at the same time you're watching this family, you're like these guys, like, why are they even doing this? Cause <laughs> they're not good at it. There's, there's a lot of oh, humor. So they're being skewered that way. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like th- there's one scene where a character gets a crossbow and that's his weapon. And then a few scenes later, you see him basically watching a YouTube video on how you load and shoot a crossbow. Like, you know, he doesn't have the <laughs> basics <laughs> that you need. So they're, they're, you know, deep down, they're doing, a, they're doing a horrible thing and they're horrible people for, because they're doing this thing. But you're like, if they had chosen a different game, like I'm probably, they, sh- they would have probably been, still been arrogant, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably, they would probably be a delightful family. It's just this particular situation and... I don't, it's, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just say it, it, it does a wonderful job of, you know, giving, scaring you, making you feel uneasy at times, but then also making you laugh. So when I walked away, I didn't really think of this as like a traditional horror. No, like, but you, you felt like there was a good balancing. Yeah. I, like to me, I walked away thinking I had a, a wonderful time. That was a lot of fun. You know, I laughed a lot. It was just a very entertaining film for you know, the hour and 30 minutes, like it just kind of, it flies by. Whereas other horror films, you really think of like the horror moments, the, 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 the some of the horror stuff is more practical mm-hmm. and even there's stuff you kind of wince at, but it's still nothing too gruesome. Mm. Like I think you as a, as a person who's not a big horror, really, I think you would have a, a good time with it. Well, that says something Yeah, that, that really opens it up to a, mm-hmm. a much bigger audience. Yeah. I think there's more, more, I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only one that's kind of scared of horror Oh, movies. no, there's a, there's a lot of people. But I, I feel like because it's so absurd at times and, the, you know, there's just, there's so much humor in it that it, it will attract a, a good-sized audience. I like what's happening with horror. I mean, um, our friend uh, who made us. Oh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, with his two films, he's opened it up, horror up to something more thought-provoking, right? Mm. And here's someone now playing with the comedic elements of it, right? And, um, you know, Guillermo del Toro, he's done a lot of, like, putting so many different kinds of elements in. And I think that's really, it's it's opening up horror in a, in a really interesting way, at least for me as an outsider. Yeah. And it I, feels like it's more accessible now to me. Yeah, and I think... You know, horror has always kind of walked that line, but I, I feel that people are now starting to change their views on it. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, oh, there's a lot of people that just thought, oh, it's just too gruesome or I don't want to be scared, you know, or, or dismiss horror as, oh, it's not, there's nothing tangible. Where horror, there's always been like interesting social commentary. Right. You think back to like Romero, um, early Halloweens, what have you. But I think now, maybe because of just, technology streaming services people are realizing that horror is multifaceted it's not just one 
particular. It's not. I I also would credit the filmmakers. Yeah. I mean, to to be doing these these um, creative, unique things and expressing things that they could have expressed in a different way, um, using horror as an element to do that, using a different genre, like Kubrick did, Mm -hmm. right? When Kubrick made The Shining, who saw that coming, right? But that was accessible. That was that was a horror film I went to. I did not want to go to see, you know, Halloween 3 mm-hmm. uh, because I saw them. And to me, it was just, you know, it was like a simple – it had this uh, simple kind of structure. And a lot of, there was a lot of blood and a lot of gruesome stuff going on, whereas The Shining, you know. And now there's this like I see them following – people following kind of yeah, – maybe uh, not his, his him directly, but just – But you know, trying to bring something different. But while still making it mainstream accessible. Yeah. Like actually, I don't know if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Tarantino. Not one. yet, not but yet. There's, um, there's a couple of moments in that film where I kept thinking it would be interesting to see him do a horror film. Because oh, yeah. there's some like genuinely just creepy moments mm-hmm. um, that kind of build the tension. And then, of course, it's Tarantino, so there's going to be humor and... Hollywood but references that's the and thing stuff. about but those Terrence, moments, you know, yeah. he knows how to um, to mix different elements. Mm-hmm. You know, he's being the um, the utter and complete film geek that he is. He's immersed himself in so many different kinds of cinema and styles and directors, and he has this way of bringing everything together. Yeah, and I think I mean I know he did was it Death Proof um, a few years ago it was part of the Grindhouse mm-hmm. film, but to me that. That felt more like a, a 70s exploitation kind of film than mm-hmm. a, like you know a, a horror that we're more used to with just a really eerie kind of feeling. And I'd, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how he does. But don't worry about him for now. No, Ready but not, you know what? You, you've, got what you me, you've got me thinking about a film that I'm really looking forward to seeing at TIFF, which is Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, but is that no, no horror, though? No, no. Oh, ju- okay. I, just in the sense of what we've been talking about in terms of uh, people opening up possibilities using you know mm-hmm. various genres. In this case, we were talking horror, and Bong Joon Ho, he's you know he he made a monster movie. Yeah, he did a great you one. Know? Yeah, and exactly. And I don't know why the title. Oh, uh, the host. The host. The host. The yeah. host was brilliant, and it's like I watched that. Even though I was not interested in the least in mm-hmm. a, a go like a, a monster movie, right? I watched it. I loved it because you know, I guess talking about Tarantino reminded me that this is why it won the Palme d'Or is because this man has a different way. Bong Joon Ho has a different way of uh, using all the different kinds of cinema, like melodrama, suspense, horror, yep. thriller, like comedy, all of it, and he blends them together and i just think of like i i'm in awe of people who do that because mm-hmm. it's it's a real g- gift you know to be able to do that and still make something original yeah and you know he's one of those the generation of directors that constantly makes different films yeah absolutely and they're all they're all good like i'm i'm interested to see this film um ready or not was directed by matt uh, bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette, and I'm I'm interested to see what they do next yeah. because they've shown they can do a horror comedy, and I mean they can continue down that road. But I, I'd like to see them now tackle something else, like would they, whether it be a darker horror or maybe even go to drama or, or you know 
action. Like they yeah. they have a particular style and a, even a visual flair to their filmmaking. Like it'd be interesting to see them what what comes of it next. But again, we'll see if how this one does at the box office because I guess. At the end of the day, it's all business from the studio's perspective. But, from their p- perspective. But, but, you know, it's also about, you know, fan reaction and mm-hmm. uh, word of mouth. Word of mouth does does everything. Yep. So, yeah. I, okay, I'm going to go see Ready or Not based you'll, on your you'll suggestion. You'll enjoy it. End the summer right. <laughs> I will because one thing I noticed that I end up doing in the summer and – this is why I'm going to veer off into TV for just a little bit mm-hmm. to, to end off. Uh, is uh, One thing I noticed is that when with these extreme temperatures and these heat waves and stuff, I'm not built for heat waves. I'm not built for extremes in temperature, right? But I, I can't – every time I think of me in a heat wave, I think of this Irish comic who, who once said that – he said, we're Irish. Uh, Irish melt at – 23 degrees mm. you know and so it's like <laughs> i always think of that because it's like what what did, what is the temperature 40 feels like 40 it's like uh i'm gonna stay inside and stream something right so suddenly amazon and netflix become my plenty best of, friends plenty of content too yeah so. and there's plenty of content and um one thing that that is so uh good that was so good that I watched, and I'm happy, happy, so happy to report, is that Orange is the New Black ended the series the way, the proper way a series should be ending. And I am, of course, referring to the debacle that was Game of Thrones final season, where things just happened. You know, I wasn't upset about the actual decisions. Mm -hmm. I was upset because the the arcs, the character arcs, the narrative arcs, they, they just sort of shifted so quickly and there was no uh, sense there was no logic in the oh, way okay. it got there that if you had if they had spent the time or de- and developed things properly those endings would have made sense that's not what i'm arguing about mm-hmm. it's this haphazard way they had of just tying it up big jumps in time big jumps in logic big jumps in you know, suddenly a character who, who for however many seasons was seeming like this or and seemed to be go, you know, going developing. one way, went the other. Yeah, I went mm-hmm. the other way. And it's like, that's what I was upset yeah, about. A lot of people don't seem to be happy. I'm, I haven't seen the last season. You I've always saw up to season it. seven. I, I was sitting, I was sitting the, each, each episode, mm-hmm. each episode of that season, that final season, I was sitting there and at, at a certain point, inevitably, I would just go, why am I watching this? Why did I even start this in the first place if this is what I get? Yeah, a lot of people are not happy about that yeah. one. But Orange is better because I, I have to great. admit I I am well behind in Orange. I think I, I was some... up to like season three Okay, was the last one that I saw. So Orange has a bumpy ride, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's to me, it's always excellent. It's just sometimes it dips to very good. Yeah. As opposed to staying on excellent, mm-hmm. and what I liked about the season finale, or the series finale, the the final season, was that they stayed true to everything that they had built up, to all the characters, to the logic of the characters, the, you know, the arcs, all the narrative arcs, um, people. They, they, it, there was a finality that you didn't get in the others, right? Um, mm-hmm. People 
came and went in the other seasons, but in the final one, it's like they just stayed with the people and certain, there were happy endings, there were not so happy endings, there were, there was a mix, right? And so every episode seemed to represent something shifting um, and changing. And ironically, I say this because in season seven, they introduced um, the fact that that prison that they were in had, de- it de- I don't know, developed. I keep wanting to say developed, but that's the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ha- had this attached ICE detention center. Oh, okay. That suddenly, yeah. you know, because, well, I can't say. There's something that happens at the end of the previous season uh, mm-hmm. that suggests a deportation. Yeah. And then now we see how that resolves itself, how that things that happen. And so even some of the new, they didn't introduce a lot of new characters, mm-hmm. but some of the new characters, they made sense in that world. That Because Genji Cohen, who adapted the book by Piper Kerman, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that the whole series based on Genji Cohen, I mean, no matter what, you can say that like, she's just brilliant. She The way she stayed with it, there might have been some like missteps here and there. I can't think of any offhand, so I don't, to me, they weren't that bad. I was pretty loyal to the series, right? Um, but for she surprised me, and she surprised me in good ways. And that didn't necessarily mean happy endings. Yep. Like she surprised me in a way where she stayed as current. The show stays current. It's hard-hitting. It never shies away from what's really happening to certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain realities. Uh, I really, which is ironic because I really did want to escape the headlines. You know, the news is getting to be more and more oppressive, mm-hmm. and it starts. Uh, it's starting to feel like I need a vacation from the news. Yeah. But even so, with Orange staying within, still staying hard hitting and current, um, what it did was it elaborated those headlines in a way and drew me like what narrative can do to you yeah you know um it brought the the humanity back to the headlines which is often missing because seems everything right now is like sensationalism and exactly whatnot whereas they're kind of cutting through that and reminding you the the real people exactly that you're reminding you that there are real people who there are consequences Mm -hmm. for real people and as sympathetic and empathetic as i am we we all react according to the, to, to the way the media presents things. They present uh, – the media presents uh, the whole issue of babies in cages. But then the next day, Trump does something stupid. I'm talking about the news, right? Yep. Trump does something stupid. And then eventually they veer away, right? So people like me going, but what about – like why isn't everybody screaming, jumping up and yeah. down about this? It's like – Everybody's suffering from so much fatigue. They don't. There's so many things to get upset about that they can't stop. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in certain episodes of Orange Is the New Black, that reality, that reality, I had one of the biggest crying fits, and I'm not ashamed to admit this because it just shows you the power. You know, um, as a, as a critic, like we we get used to certain things, even when they're hard hitting. Mm-hmm. But there were certain episodes of this where I was just 
a, like a basket case. Oh, that's good though. That's a, that's oh, a, yeah. that's a very good compliment for the It is the show. a compliment because it's like – and don't uh, don't be afraid because you'll be reminded of your mm. humanity in this. And uh, I think the characters that she built – built up and the, the ensemble cast being so tremendous mm-hmm. they keep that up and and that's why we keep going back and i think they all show a respect to the people you know they're representing in a way that if you watch this you you there's a respect i think that you can give them by f- watching their their story to the end oh that's good yeah and so because i was weeping so much during certain episodes, I tried to find a comedy, which, you know, it's kind of <laughs> hard. I don't know if... Oh, we got time if you want to well, mention I th- one there's more. a strange one that I found just because I was looking around like, what is going to make me laugh? And so, in fact, after that episode of Orange where it really hit me hard, I had heard about this show called Dairy Girls, like London Dairy, so it's okay. D-E-R-R-Y. So it's a place in Northern Ireland, small place. And it's like a coming-of-age you know, group of teenage girls dealing with being a group of teenage girls, you know, dealing with, with realities. And it's 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 a comedy. Oh, really? Okay. And so I don't know if a lot of people could relate to it, but the, the coming-of-age – and if, mm-hmm. you, if you were raised Catholic and you had to go to a Catholic school or you knew anybody who had to go to a Catholic school, they sort of send up the Catholic – <laughs> the whole Catholic oh, okay. school, school system in this like brilliant way, which I think anybody could actually appreciate. Mm-hmm. The only thing about the show is that um, you need to put the subtitles on. Oh, Those the, accents the, the are thick. so thick. Mm. You know, at the first they were co- the the adults because they one girl it's like focuses on one girl who lives, lives with her family and it's the extended family in the house, so it's not just the parents, the baby sister, but the grandfather. The aunt and the aunt's teenage kid, daughter, right? So you got this entire house full of eccentric Irish people, and all the Irish, the the adults, like they refer to the others, the girls, as Wayne's. I said, "What the hell is that?" Right? You put the subtitles on, you see, and then you listen, and you realize we ones, Wayne's, yeah, yeah, right, and so. That's why you need subtitles. Um, but the tensions, like there's just these like quirky little moments between everybody, but it's set against, like it's in Northern Ireland in the 90s when the troubles were still going on, right? So there's a little bit of a reality check that puts the context of, you know, their trials and tribulations. And they have this hilarious, this hilarious one thing that element that you know is in addition to just what they go through it's like so it's kind of counterbalanced yeah. in a way um but i i can't stop talking about the, this until i tell you that one of the girls her cousin is forced to live with them it's a boy and he's supposed to follow his cousin around so he has to go to the all girls catholic school oh and much much humor abounds from mm-hmm. that I could, <laughs> like I was thinking, is even that is that even legal? But I, guess, I know, yeah. but, but in the world of this yeah. comedy, it's yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like sure, sure, why, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because like all these quirky, weird things sort of get accepted when you see the mother superior that runs that church. 
I mean, that school, and mm-hmm. yeah, you, you'll understand. <laughs> oh, to, I'm gonna check that one out. That one sounds good. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of dark humor in a way, but it's kind of yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. And and I was looking for something because I had watched Fleabag before Orange. Fleabag mm-hmm. is on Amazon Prime, but you can get a free trial. Just I, have, sign up. I have Prime. I just I'm there's so much content that I find was at least I started watching. I think it was Good Omens. And oh yeah, a couple, and I've heard the boys is great, but I've just haven't had time to like no, sit down. No, you're not and, going to have time yeah. now. But if you haven't watched Fleabag, that's the one that everyone is talking about. Okay, I'll check that. And out too. Fleabag is this incredible experience. It's even hard to describe because it's based on uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge's one woman show about herself, and if she plays the main character, and she's you only know her as Fleabag. So oh. she's kind of self-loathing, but kind of looking for love. But So it's like a comedy drama, but when it hits the points, it really hits them mm-hmm. st- like strong, strong points. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. Oh. It, it is funny, um, but it's so touching at the same time. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. And really, really original, like the whole story, the premise, and, and some of the the characters that you know she has to deal with and she herself I mean like quirky doesn't even describe it mm-hmm. just a, a unique experience unique but she, what she does is she manages to first skewer this person or this type of person and then show you the other side of it mm. and so is it kind of like um did you see russian doll yeah 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 so is it like that kind of just completely it's, original yeah, interesting. in a totally different way. Yeah. It is without a pattern. Okay. You know, like Russian Doll had that pattern. Well, yeah, yeah. So I watched Russian Doll too. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed That's that. That's a great, that was a great show. Yeah. So you'll, you'll really appreciate Fleabag. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I can't say enough about it, but. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So there's, there was a lot, you know, if you just want to hide out and stream things, there's a lot. And the thing about Dairy Girls and Fleabag is they're very, very short seasons. Each of them has two seasons, mm-hmm. but I think Fleabag, you could watch it in like three, four hours or something. Oh, that's not bad. Somewhere, maybe six. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you Definitely, could do it in um, a day if you wanted. Make that some post-tiff Yes. When we're detox. all vegetables, when the critics all become vegetables, it's like it's great to find mm. this kind of – but these, these will challenge your brain a little. I don't know about Dairy Girls. It's a bit more fun. Yeah, but it's still, it's still good. Yeah. But yeah, if Fleabag, it's like I feel like watching it again to find out why, like, because, why I am having such a hard time describing it. You know? Yeah. Because well. I I did shut the critic off a little bit, but you know, obviously she never she never sleeps. So yeah, but it's it's again a testament to the the show if you can't put it into a particular box, but you you still exactly. love it. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what that sums it up right there. Yep. So that's that's all I've got to say today. No, no, those are those are great <laughs> what, recommendations. What Courtney said, <laughs> <laughs> you summed it up beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so yeah, lots to look forward to, right? Do yes. you have anything else you want to mention from summer? Um, no, I there was a bunch of stuff that I watched, but I can't remember. It's all a blur. <laughs> Summer's a blur, but sometimes it's good when it's a blur because it's like, there was a lot of relaxing in there, right? Yeah. My, <laughs> my movie knowledge goes back to like beginning of August with like Hobbs and Shaw, The Fast and Furious. <laughs> I can't remember anything past that right now. You like that one. very. Oh, you 
You didn't talk. We weren't on the air. No, I uh, I enjoy, enjoy it. I'm I'm a fan of the Fast and Furious films. It's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, but people need that. Yes, and but I am of the viewer. To, in my personal opinion, um, Dwayne Johnson is the MVP of Hollywood. Oh yeah, and in Why? the sense that <laughs> no matter if the the premise is bad, the film itself is bad, he will always be entertaining in it, and he's the type of actor that you don't necessarily think of it as a, like a a-list like up there with the hanks and crews but he consistently delivers entertaining films and even when he's doing out of character things like be cool you know he's <laughs> he's really good like he he's a very charming charismatic actor and to me everything he touches magically makes money and because people enjoy him in the various roles and Hobbs and Shaw, you know exactly what's going to be over-the-top action, lots of stunts, um, comedy, what have you, but it works. Like it's, you know, for a Fast and Furious film, even if you've never seen any of the Fast and Furious films, you can start with Hobbs and Shaw and you know, have a great time. All right, post-TIFF, when I need f- just fun, I think I'm going to hunt that, that one down. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So that's it for Frameline for this week. Please tune in next week. We start covering the Toronto International Film Festival, and we've got a lot of various different, various, okay, I said various already. So. No, that's, it has various <laughs> titles. It's, it's so many There's films. like over 300 films playing, so we'll <laughs> definitely give you the, the early jump on, on what to see in, you know, particular programs that might not uh, get a lot of attention, but we deserve, deserve to look anyway. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be fun guys. It's okay. So catch us next week. Thanks for listening.